0: Hey y'all, welcome to my podcast where we talk about Sally Face, and more. I do research about games daily and I'll always give spoilers. For Sally Face, I really only give spoiler warnings for chapter 4 and 5 since they're the most recent ones. Speaking of, our first topic is, in fact, Sally Face. We're going to start off with the characters, who they are, and what they've done. I give credit to Sally Face Fan from the fandom Wikipedia for my information. Quick thing before we start, chapter 5 had a bittersweet ending, but it could have been more better if you know what i mean i'm not trying to say it wasn't good just could have been happier you know but hey i really liked it overall it matched it matched my tastes and thoughts so we're going to start off with sal fisher um the information for him that we're just gonna go on slowly to the other ones sal fisher other otherwise known as sally face is the tacticular main protagonist of the game the son of henry and diane fisher a tragic accident during during his childhood, resulted in the death of his mother and left his face severely scarred, requiring him to wear a prosthetic face. Years following this incident, Sal and his dad moved into the town of Nottville for a fresh for a fresh start, residing in room four hundred two, for Addison Apartments. The game centers around several events throughout Sal's life, focusing on his investigation into sinister mysteries that surround his new his new home and his attempts to stop the Devourers of God his appearance so we're just gonna be having a discussion about his appearance then on to the other contents of what he is and what he's done Sal's most prominent feature is his mask is his face mask which is primarily white with a light pink patch over his right eye he has blue eyes the right one being an ocular prosthesis from what has been seen from his face he has a large scar that runs diagonally across the right side of his mouth spitting splitting his lips and exposing his teeth a left scar on his left cheek as well as several other smaller scars scattered around around the rest of his face a dent on the right side of his lower jaw and the cartilage of his nose is completely missing He has shoulder-length bright blue hair, which he usually keeps tied up in pigtails and two piercings in each ear. He's noticeably short and being the second shortest among his friend group. Alright, so we have that one. I believe Todd's the shortest, Um, but his appearance is overall unsettling for others what makes people think it's a horror game that first one it's really just about puzzles and mysteries all right <clears throat> let's continue on as a teenager sal wore a black sweater ripped jeans and blue and white sneakers And the wretched, he wore a black hoodie, a pair of blue fingerless gloves, and green earmuffs while out in the snow. As an adult, he wears an outfit identical to the one he wore as a teenager in his hair down. His fringe has grown asymmetrically, with the right side covering his eye. His prosthetic now has what are presumably pieces of adhesive tape holding the pieces together. Following his arrest, he wears a tattered orange prison jumpsuit with the inmate number 081486. His personality, I believe, uh, Sal's my favorite character. <laughs> Travis is my second favorite. Larry is my third favorite, So-and-so. so on and so. Sal was an adventurous teenage boy. He seemed to be re- be resourceful and had the ability to keep his cool during such stressful situations, as seen through his interactions with ghosts. He came off as friendly and polite, regardless of the rude or frightened responses he may get from people who were reacting to his prosthetic and with open the affection of his friends. Sal frequently offered a listening ear to the kind words of others, even those who have been unfriendly to him, as advised in the balloon the baloney incident where he comforted a crying Travis in the boy's bathroom. His compassion and willingness to help people regardless of their appearance and standoffish behavior was demonstrated time again. time and again. Though he was a kind person, Sal so was capable of snapping back at those who tried to hurt him through the use of sarcasm. In <clears throat> the bologna incident, his quick wit was demonstrated in response to bullying from Travis. He did not report the resulting punch in the face from Travis. However, he did not correct com- he did not correct comments made towards him out of ignorance rather than malice, suggesting that he didn't like confrontation. He also didn't seem to approve of violence. As he protests, when his morning friends even jokingly threatened to kill Travis for and Sal. While Sal is male, he didn't seem to care how people perceive him about his traditional gender roles, as evidenced by his traditionally feminine hairstyle, he, and how he didn't bother to correct Miss Rosenberg when she referred Sal to a girl upon meeting him. In addition, meeting Megan for the first time, she tells him, Pigtails are for girls, silly. To which he responds that nobody ever said only girls could wear their hair in pigtails, and he likes the style too. As an adult, Sal appeared to be significantly more jaded and less trusting of others, and opened himself to others with great hesitation. Um so the biography? Hmm. can to get teary about this one. On August 6, 1984, the Fisher family went on a picnic, t- a picnic no, to a scenic and sunny location, where a young Sal finds a dog and is eager to pet him. After some prodding, his mother allows Sal to visit the animal. However, he is revealed that the dog was in fact a man wearing a dog mask. Presumably Kenneth Phelps, aka Travis's father, which spoilers, cover your ears. Um three, two, one, now cover your ears. Kenneth Phelps is actually Travis's father, if you did not know that. Um, but if you didn't want spoilers about it, you're always covering your ears. Okay. Um, you can uncover your ears, I guess. And wielding a shotgun, his intent was to end the boy's life due to the prophecy foretelling that a young boy would foil the devourers of God's plans. The boy survived the encounter, but at the cost of his mother's life. For years to come, Sal had maintained that his mother was killed by a man and not a wild animal, even if a psychiatrist or father didn't believe him. After a faithful visit to the hospital, Sal had to adapt a new life with his prosthetic face and eternalize the nickname bullies who later give him Sally Face. Alright. Move to Addison Apartments. This one's overall going to be probably my favorite to talk about because it gives... The person who's listening or the player more idea of what happened necessarily if you didn't even get the concept of it. Um, for the childhood, um, him being shot by a dude in a dog mask was actually, um, um hinted towards in chapter five, but again, it's not really a spoiler since so, you the move to Addison Apartments. Unknown circumstances ripped the two remaining members of the Fisher family from New Jersey and into the mystery, uh, mysterious abode of Addison Apartments, Room Four Hundred Two. Halfway through unpacking, Sal decided to take a break and, after sharing her feelings about the move to his father, left to explore the complex. After meeting the lovely Lisa Johnson, Sal is introduced to Lisa's heavy metal loving son, Larry Johnson, who quickly became friends with the newcomer. After Larry confided in Sal with, in the details of Mrs. Sanderson's murder at the hands of Charlie Mansfield, the boy is quick to offer his assistance. After devising a plan of action and receiving a walkie-talkie from Larry, Sal turns to his room to await his friend's signal. After the officers are pulled away by a fake report of a robbery, Sal enters room 403, and the witness of the carnage committed by Mansfield, the the body outline of Sanderson in an empty space between two glitter ponies. Upon returning to Larry, they decided that they had to retrieve the stolen glitter pony from Charlie and turn it into the authorities. A quick visit to Charlie's room made it clear to Sal that the collector wouldn't let him anywhere near his toys, so he had to find another way. When visiting the fifth floor, Sal finds old laxatives in the bathroom, five o four, and the young of the young Megan Holmes. But the supernatural is too scared to pe- speak for Sal for long. Regardless, Sal continued with his plan. After adding the laxatives to a cup of Addison tea, Sal managed to get Charlie to abandon his watch over the beloved <coughs> collection to attend more pressing concerns in the restroom. Sal snags. Sal snags the toy and turns into the detective on the first floor. Ch- Char- Mansfield is arrested and the way. That's not what I thought happen. I saw him have sleeping pills into his Addison T. Give it to him, him falling asleep long enough for Sal to take the pony. So I believe this is just normally a headcanon given by somebody because... I really did not see that happen whilst I was playing it. But eh. And I really didn't see any confrontation with Megan and the first episode. Who knows? Maybe it was the first song. Might have been a different version. So carry on. When Sally leaves the apartment to see Charlie off, curiosity pulls him towards the corner of a van, where Mrs. Sanderson's decaying corpse lay, bagged in a waiting, in a waiting processing. Alright. Okay. This is... not too good. The Curse. Which is basically Larry's saying through what he's done y'all should already know that. Um, a few months into Sal's stay at the apartments, he began to become plagued by nightmares. One particular dream where... a dream, One particular dream places him at the picnic where his mother was murdered, and later shifted into Larry's shoes when he was fixing the toilet for Sandy Sanderson's on the day of her demise. Sal meets the glitter pony he used to incriminate Charlie, begging for water, and plunging When plumbing is restored, the glitter pony becomes bloated, serving as a bridge for Sal to return to the surface. Uh, To witness Mansfield murder Sanderson, a trail of blooded footprints footprints leads to seated Charlie Mansfield, admonishing Sal for his actions. Sal is jolted from sleep when Charlie's skin peels off to reveal a cold demon with dead eyes. So, a quick headcanon here. (sighs) Um, A quick headcanon here, um, when Sal was being, almost died from Kenneth Phelps, um, I believe that he came and somehow a red-eyed demon got a hold of his mind and slowly poisoned it into giving him nightmares, which would actually be a great headcanon, because it'd make a lot of sense, since this game is actually confusing itself, <clears throat> so, again, let's carry on. Sal confides the details of his most recent vision in Larry, who is, skepti- who is skeptical of the whole thing. Despite this, Larry takes Sal to his treehouse to tell him the story of his past. Sal immediately recognizes the red-eyed demon from Larry's story, having seen it in the apartment's kitchen on his first day, and offers to help his lift his quote-unquote curse. After retrieving and enigmatic puzzle box from a trunk containing his pu- the possessions of Larry's father, Jim Johnson. The two were torn indoors. So, I'm actually quite happy about the burning up of Jim Johnson. Because, don't want spoilers, just wait for about, I don't know, like, 20 seconds, so cover your ears. Since Jim Johnson was found, um, and chapter five or so it made me think that he was actually dead in the beginning you can i cover your ears i don't know it wasn't 20 seconds but whatever the two return indoors. after a failed attempt to summon megan holmes from the bathroom of four 504 larry first saw todd morrison the resident brainiac and the believer of the in the unknown sal eager to show larry the spirits do not exist doesn't hesitate to pay Todd a visit. <laughs> Todd deserved better. Um, upon entering Todd's apartment room, 202, Sal meets Ashley Campbell. Todd agrees to help Sal by modifying his gear board to detect supernatural activity. After cannibalizing Larry's radio antenna and walkie-talkie, the device was ready for testing in Todd's room. It was here that they draw out the weeping ghost of Greg Todd, I don't know how to pronounce that who is quickly scared away by the red-eyed demon. Todd recovers from the initial shock of the supernatural occurrences and advises Sal to test it further, while he did some digging into the history of the murderers in the Addison Apartments. Sal's tests lead to the discovery of various levels of a mysterious game throughout the apartment complex and the Phantom of Jim Johnson. For those of you who don't know what a Phantom is, um i'll gladly explain it i'm sorry for cutting off a lot um so in the line phantom of jim johnson phantom is just a ghost it's just a fancy word for a ghost basically <clears throat> so again should we go south doesn't share any of his discoveries with his friends when Megan remained hidden, even the improved tracking device, Sal turned to Todd and learned that the officers that it was Charlie were not registered in the police da- database when Charlie Mansfield was arrested looking nothing like the one they knew. Additionally, old reports of Megan's corpse being found by Lake Wendigo just pictures of a girl when she was still alive. So, this game is actually really dark um, when it's being. Explained in such manner, but when you play it, it doesn't seem as dark as it is. But if you give it a good, deep thinking about it, then yeah, it turns really, really dark because it's a pretty messed up game. But <laughs> I, I love it. <clears throat> Sour trees. Megan's necklace from the same lost found that from the same lost and found that held the super Bowl, the super Gear Boy. Cartridge brings Larry back to room 40, 504, and uses the Super Gear Boy and cross necklace to successfully drop Megan Holmes. After another, af, after yet another brief interaction that revealed a friendship between Jim Johnson and Megan's father, Luke Holmes, she is scared away by the demon, leaving leaving an awestruck Larry and sad they both agreed the apartment and room warranted for further investigation. Sal Larry left Sal to retrieve a crowbar from David David. David was a former drug addict, while well, he returned to his care for his sick mother. Oh my gosh Alright. A visit inside of David's room, 302, led Sal to the discovery of the missing piece to Jim Johnson's puzzle box, before returning to the crowbar before returning the crowbar delirium. Sal solved the box in order to discover an odd computer chip inside. <clears throat> when the chip merges with Todd's computer, the phantom gives Sal a garbled message about a red ball. When the vision ends, Sal finds the chip has somehow been replaced by a Rubik's Cube, with neither Todd nor Larry having any memory of the item. Using using the crowbar to break into room 403, Sal converses briefly with the spirit of the recently deceased Mrs. Sanderson, before she was too far away by the demon. So, apparently and mechanically, Ooh, my headcanon is the demon keeps appearing behind them necessarily trying to get them but when their interaction with the ghost it stays there but when the ghosts leave, it's like gone maybe because it's trying to find a way to put them in a different dimension or just finding a way to kill them but not in a very brutal way such as all mm, oh, murders are brutal um, just killing them without touching them, basically, without poisoning them or anything, like without doing anything to them. It's really hard to explain necessarily with words. Um, but verbally explain things aren't too easy to understand. Am I right? Returning to room 504, Sal is finally able to enter the bedroom and summon the ghosts of Stacey Holmes, who says nothing before disappearing. Further in the bedroom, Sal found a hole in the wall leading to another room. Upon entering the hole, Sal summoned the hanging ghost of weak Holmes. When Sal attempted to speak to him, the ghost shed its skin to reveal an agitated red-eyed demon. Before the demon could do anything, it was removed by a special device created by Todd and used by an intervening Larry. When the threat had clearly passed, Sal comforted a grief-stricken Larry for the abandonment of his father. So that was just Shepard. Two. Oh my gosh, I can't do this without, like, almost tearing up. Okay. Excuse me. <clears throat> Most of the events following the disappearance of the red-eyed demon pr- proved mostly for normal mostly normal for Sal, since the disappearance of multiple students who had become good friends with Todd, Ashley, Chug, and Mabel. Events had returned to a paranormal day, Sal had a math test. Sal, having completed his math examination well ahead of the rest of the class, distracting himself from the doodles before dozing off, he is abruptly woken by Miss Packerton, who assures him that he did well on the test, earning ire from his bully, Travis Phelps. When the class class reached its conclusion, Travis confronts Sal and Ashley in the hall and punches the former in his face, drawing blood in the process. Sal declines all offers from his companions to get even with Travis, insisting that it would only worsen the situation with him. The following day during lunch, Sal notes that the bologna, the bologna being served tastes funnier than it usually did, causing their friends to spew their speculation over the meat's origin. Instead of leaving the matter a mystery, Sal opted to investigate, and his group, including Chug and Maple, agreed to help. After harshly turned away by him, Kim Yazi. Sal turns to alternate solutions, suspecting that Kim was responsible for the balloon's condition. Sal teed up with Larry and took a picture of the woman's file. As Kim Yazi was a former amateur nature photographer. Sal took a picture of a bird and presented it to Kim, who was then willing to give the boy a sample of the baloney and identify the school supplier. Miss Packerton. On his way back to the labs the to test the lab's balloon samples, Sal meets to weeping Travis in the restroom. Although Travis threatens Sal, the boy stays and comforts him, assuring him that if he ever needed a friend, all he had to do was ask. Sal is such a sweet boy. After, bolog- after the baloney was examined, the, the group concluded that they needed more information on where Packerton got the baloney. Before the launch period was over, Sal and Larry broke into Miss into Packerton's classroom and opened her desk drawer to find many cult-like objects, including an item similar to Jim Johnson's puzzle. Not long after, Salus played with another vision of the Phantom who delivers a decipherable message before fading away. Investigating investigating room 201. That evening, while Packerton was away, Sal and Larry broke into her apartment to find the severed head of a goat in the refrigerator and two locked doors. Behind one was Mr. Packerton, hooked up to a life support machine and stuck in a vegetated state. Sal uses a super gear gear boy to summon Mr. Packerton as a ghost. The spirit denies knowledge of the baloney's origins and begs to say enthusi Sal complies and pulls the plug. After being forced into hiding by Ashley, whom they had mistaken for Packerton, Larry found a key next to the room, a butcher shop stained with blood, decorated with newspaper clippings of missing children, and a pentagram decorated in a foot locker fridge. Sal opens the freezer to find the deboned flesh of his missing classmate. Whoa. Okay, Disgusted, but satisfied that the oranges of the lunch meat has been uncovered, they decide to leave and devise a way to deal with Crackerton. Before they can complete their escape, Ashley discovers a hidden trash chute behind a picture of a farm and accidentally falls down into the bowels of the apartment building. Stricken with panic, the two boys act fast to save their friend. Sal and Larry retrieve Todd to enter a room in the basement concealed by the lost and found shelves. Although the room is vacant, for the most part, for the most part, Sal discovers a cellar door leading to a deeper ground below. They enter the temple of the Devourers of God and um, station, Todd at the entrance to keep the entrance gate open. After navigating through the temple's maze and pressure plate puzzle gates, Sal and Larry come across a pedestal before another gate. Sal placed the piece he stole from Packerton to his pedestal which opened the gate, leading to a room filled with piles of bones and the cult's victims. Miraculously, Ashley was unharmed and was discovered merely unconscious atop one of the piles. After safely extracting Ashley from the temple, the group wanted to know what they could do to ensure Packerton can't harm anyone else. Much to self-horror, his friends suggest killing her. Saw convinced them to sleep on it, but the next morning they learned there was no need to take action as Packerton was killed by a drunk driver on her way home. After Pack- five years later, after Packerton's death, life returned to normalcy for Sal and his gang. Following Henry and Lisa's wedding, Sal became Larry's stepbrother. Ashley left for art school, and taught and Nilsa up a home for the friends to share during their years in college. But it was not to last. Sal's, Sal's nightmares returned to the ghost of Addison Apartments vanished. These, these events prompted Sal to his stepbrother investigate the cursed building one last time before Larry officially moved in with the rest of the quote unquote ghost snappers. After catching up the, with the residents and investigating the temple of the devourers of God, Sal left on a date with Ashley to Lake Wendigo. The two Caught up on life, and Sal confided her with the details of his returning nightmares and ongoing investigation on the local cult, the Endless Ones infection. When Sal returned home, he, re- he received disturbing messages from Larry, which his stepbrother didn't answer his cell phone. When his step stepbrother didn't answer his cell phone, Sal should the behind the apartment building, only to find Larry's note detailing the purpose of his actions. The darkness was starting to affect him later according to what ashley said in sal's trial ash came to see sal and thought he was drunk she argued with him for the first time and let henry lisa know that sal was not okay she later regrets not saying with sal donning the Necrolite guitar and requesting the assistance of Todd, Sal investigated the treehouse to find a single empty alcohol bottle on the floor. Before a proper investigation could be made, Sal teleported to the roof of the apartment building, right by the pillar by Allison Rossen's ghost. With the help of Larry's ghost, Sal destroyed the pillar and temporarily, freed the residents from the endless man's grasp. Upon entering the room of Terrence Addison, Sal learned the truth: the Endless One had made an effort to infect the building before and succeeded in possessing all members of the Addison clan. That was halted by a young Terrence, who was able to fight off his influence long enough to slaughter his family and prevent him from spreading. The Endless Ones manifested inside Terrence and began fighting. To control him for decades, using the necrolite guitar, Sal killed the Endless One and briefly met the real Terence Addison, who gave him the, the most dreadful mission: kill all who are infected by the ghosts, or the shadows will consume more people. After great deliberation, Sal, cons- cons- um, Sal agreed and finally gave him and killed every single resident of the apartment building, including his own father. Really sad. After the deed was done, Sal left the building and um, to be greeted by a horrified Ashley Campbell in the Knoxville Police Department. The trial. All right. We only have a few more minutes left. An unspecified amount of time later, Sal Fisher, branded by the media as Sal- the Sally Face Killer, was held in the custody and waiting for trial. Sal was assigned Dr. Ennen as a psychiatrist by a to determine whether or not he was a victim of his own mental instability. Sal had his brain picked by Enon, eager to learn details of the convict's strange dreams and stories, and hopefully they will explain why Sal was committed mass murder. So I think we're going to wrap that up for now. Um, afterwards... So, um, I'd like to wrap it up for now. We're going to do a part two of Sal Fisher. We left off about the who Sal Fisher was and what he did. We're going to leave off the trial passage one, and we're going to do the rest later. Um, I really don't know how to end this, but have a good day, night, afternoon. Be safe. Be careful. Bye.